Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. I don't know, 26 years, 27 years I've been doing this radio show. I've got to go back and figure that out at some point in time. But for every year we've been doing this show at any of the various time slots, around this time of year, like right now, just before New Year's, just after New Year's, we have the current president of the American Veterinary Medical Association. So, you know, it's got to be official. I'm talking about resolutions for the new year and kind of what's new in the pet world. Dr. Raina Carlson is, with the Secret Service right there, the president of the American Veterinary Medical Association. Good morning, Dr. Carlson. Good morning, Steve. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's a pleasure to do this yet again. And I want to know what your resolutions for pets for the New Year's might be. Well, as I think about the new year and new things and look forward to what might be going on this year, refresh, uh, get over all the holiday excitement, I think it's important to really start thinking about preventative care. There are so many things out there for our pets that we can prevent. And it's so sad when we see problems that are preventable. So think about what can I do to prevent problems with my pet this year? And and biggest thing is to get into your veterinarian, have an exam, find out, is there something going on or is my pet happy and healthy? Talk about things like parasite control. What can we do to prevent parasites? Make sure your dog and cat have all the vaccines to make sure we're preventing any of the infectious disease. Talk about nutrition. How can I make sure I'm feeding and providing the best nutrients for my pet? Talk about dental dental care. We don't often look in their mouth. It's so important to look in their mouth and really make sure that they've got a healthy mouth. And if not, How do I get those teeth cleaned? Uh, And then lastly, exercise and learning new tricks. Dogs are so social that it is important we get out and exercise and teach them new things all of the time. It's it's interesting. Uh, We always hear the you can't teach old dogs new tricks, and that's absolutely false. It's really a great thing to always be teaching them new things, trying new things. Helps your mind uh, stay fresh and their minds stay fresh as well. Actually, my dog teaches me new things, but that's a whole other thing. So I, <laughs> right, right. I, I want to talk about this a little bit and the importance of, I think, twice a year veterinary visits, period. End of story, automatically, uh, for a variety of different reasons. You know, the official word is see your veterinarian once a year, primarily for vaccines, perhaps. Well, I say it's not about vaccines so much, though they may be needed. Uh, I say it's about a checkup because pets age so much faster, but also because as a pet parent, sometimes we know something might be going on. But usually we don't necessarily, unless you can do blood work in your kitchen, unless you have a stethoscope at home. How can you possibly know the pets don't always tell us and they can't literally tell us What's going on with them? What do you think? Well, I'm really glad you brought that up because you're absolutely right. You know, we go in or we're recommended to go in once a year for our yearly checkups. Well, animals age much quicker than we do. So that's more like a once a year exam for them is more like a three to five year exam. At least, at least. 
Yeah, so twice a year is absolutely a wonderful idea. And the other thing that in-person exam is critical. The veterinarian uses their eyes, their ears, their their touch to be able to really go over that animal really well and find potential problems and find them early so we can address them much earlier. Oftentimes, animals hide their problems. And so when they really show you on the outside, it's getting pretty severe. So the earlier we can find a problem, the better it is for us to really address that. And then the other thing is animals really exhibit their signs differently than we might think. So, for instance, I would have people tell me that my dog is panting a lot, but it's really not very hot in the house. You know, that can actually mean pain. Many times owners don't necessarily know how to interpret the signs they're seeing. And that's where the veterinarian can take the history, get the exam and really talk to you about what those signs mean where we might not necessarily recognize that at home. Does an early diagnosis often equate with a better prognosis? Oh, absolutely. Again, the quicker we can find out what's going on, the better we can handle it, the better we can manage it. And your dog or cat doesn't sit home and suffer longer waiting for us to figure it out. All right. Any other resolutions? I'm sure you have some. Well, nutrition, nutrition, nutrition. There are so many things out there on the internet, all kinds of anecdotal stories about what is the right thing to do. And really the right thing to do is talk to your veterinarian about what's the right nutrition for my pet. Every animal, depending on their age and their breed and other disease problems they might have, might need a little bit different nutrition. And and nutrition is so important for overall health. We oftentimes feed them too much. We don't have the right balance of things that they're eating. So talk to your veterinarian about what is the right nutrition for my pet and help kind of weed through all of the stuff that's out there on the Internet and anecdotal stories that may or may not be accurate. Well, right. And the Internet doesn't know your pet is is the other thing. Uh, so, right. And, and yes, it may not be accurate as well. You mentioned something that should be talked about in every veterinary visit, and I think you missed one little thing, and that is behavior. I believe, yeah, I believe nutrition is one, for sure. Every veterinary visit, it should be discussed. But I think behavior as well. After all, behavior is the number one reason why our dogs and cats die. It's not heart disease or cancer. It's because the cat might be booted outside because it's missed the litter box one too many times, or the dog keeps barking when you're not home and ends up at the animal shelter. Yes, and that's really the the tragic part of, you know, so many uh, pets ending up in shelters and having to be relinquished for whatever reason. And so behavior is one of those things that we most of the time have some control over. So talk to your veterinarian. There's oftentimes uh, it's simply a matter of getting some great obedience training and going through the process of making sure you're bonding with your dog or your or your cat as well. 
The one thing about dogs, they are incredibly social creatures. And so we have to meet their social needs. And if we are not meeting those social needs, that oftentimes leads to behavior problems. So again, talk to your veterinarian about what are those things we can do. First of all, the first time, you know, when you get a pet, that's when to start. Make sure you're thinking about that right off the bat. When you get a new puppy or a new pet, how do I get them into some obedience training? How do I make sure I'm getting their exercise and their social needs met as well as their physical uh, and nutritional needs? Cats are an interesting creature and we're finding out so much about cats and how stress of their environment is related to medical problems. So there's many times that we are seeing medical problems in the veterinary clinic, and we can kind of trace that back to stress in the environment. And so, people and people have no idea uh, that the cat is stressed. So what causes that stress? We'll explain, and that might surprise you. And I also want to talk about a big problem, so to speak, and that is overweight and obese dogs and cats will do that next. When we come back with Dr. Raina Carlson, who is the president of the American Veterinary Medical Association. Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. Dr. Raina Carlson is with us. She is the president of the American Veterinary Medical Association. We're talking about resolutions for the new year. And as we went to break, you were talking about cats in particular having what are medical issues, but what caused those issues might surprise some people. So it turns out that more than anything else, and if I'm speaking to an audience either of animal shelter people or uh, cat breeders or veterinarians, and I say, what do cats hate more than anything else? Everyone in unison now understands the answer is change. However, there is this, like, the right space, this perfect space, because cats also need some change. They need they need enrichment, and need, I think, is the right word, Dr. Carlson. The enrichment is exactly that. And really what we need to do is provide an environment that they can uh, perform their species-specific behaviors. And cats are hunters. They want to hunt. They need to kind of cruise around, looking at their environment, watching for something to move, pounce on things. Those are the things cats really want to be doing. So it's important to think about how do we create that environment that will enrich that hunting, pouncing, uh, predator behavior that's so natural in them. Another problem is we have a lot, oftentimes we have a lot of cats in a small space. And while cats are... um, quite, uh, they're, they're loners, but they're also, they have a very strict social structure. And when there is competition for resources in that environment, that creates a tremendous amount of stress for cats. So I think it's really important to, again, talk to your veterinarian about how do I enrich this environment so that all of the cats can do those species-specific behaviors and not have restricted resources and having conflict between cats. Yeah, so one example that people might not think of, and we can give between the both of us probably 50 examples, but let me give one example. Let's say you have three cats in the household. They're feeding out of one food bowl. Well, that would be illegal in the cat world. Cats that are outdoors 
do not share their except lions, but other cats, domestic cats included, don't share their food except with kittens, perhaps. But that's all. They they don't, and and we kind of force them to do it. Now some cats adjust to it just fine. Other cats kind of live with it, but that causes some deal of stress every single day. So there are things that we don't even think about, even savvy cat parents, Dr. Carlson. Exactly. And it, it when you really look at so many parts of the environment, the food dishes, the water dishes, the perches, the toys, the areas to kind of hide, and obvi- the obvious one and the most important is the litter box. Those are all resources that the cats are going to potentially be competing for. And if you have a cat that might be a little bit of a dominant cat or a bully, boy, you might have the other cat that is absolutely never going to go to that litter box because I've already been told, stay away by that bully. Mm-hmm. So. Right there. Now we're going to have litter box problems. All right. Speaking of problems, one problem, and it can create litter box problems, actually, are the number, which is now over 60% for cats and near 60% in dogs, of overweight and obese pets. What's going on? And, And we've been talking about this for years now. And the numbers are going up. In fact, when I mention the numbers from the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention that keeps tabs on these things, when I speak at veterinary meetings, these are veterinary professionals who see pets every single day. And they look at me and say, they actually think those numbers are a bit too low. In the real world, it might even be higher. There are repercussions to all this, aren't there? Oh, absolutely. And I, I probably, you know, in my practice would agree there, it it probably is a little bit higher when you look at overweight and obese cats and dogs. I've always said we just, we kill them with kindness because we want to feed them. That's our way of nurturing. And dogs, for the most part, are always hungry. So, of course, they're going to be quite happy to take whatever treat, whatever meal we offer, and they're going to come back for more. And, of course, we're going to provide more. I try to talk to my clients about, you know, make sure you've got that very scheduled feeding. You know, you know, what they should eat. Talk to your veterinarian about what they should be eating, the volume. And when they come for more food, turn that into a social interaction. Let's go chase the ball or let's go walk around the block or do something social. They're oftentimes just coming to us for social interaction. And what we do is turn around and feed them. So let's this year break that cycle and start just having either exercise or some other social interaction that doesn't always include food. Speaking of exercise, would you suggest that in general having to do with obesity and not just in general, even for pets that are not necessarily obese, overall, our dogs and cats, cats too, are under-exercised? Absolutely. Cats especially. You know, we we put them in our homes and these species are actually really designed to run and hunt and, and move around and exercise a lot. And to, in they're in... In the wild, they would be looking for food, right? So it'd take them a while, and they'd burn a lot of calories and and uh, really work hard to get that food. Well, now they have to walk to the kitchen and get the food, and that's all the exercise that you know procuring food gets them. So that's up to us now to really get them out, get them exercising. 
There's some great toys out there for cats even to make sure that they're up and moving and we're encouraging that movement. We're encouraging that predator behavior. We're getting our dogs, you know, on the leash and getting it out there and running and playing and really having a great time. They really thrive on that. And medically speaking, overweight animals are so prone to wearing their joints out. We see liver problems. We see heart problems, intestinal problems. There's so many medical-related issues we could prevent by keeping their weight at a managed level. Well, and the thing that comes to mind for me is cat-related. It's diabetes in cats, which some say is at an epidemic level, and it it is definitely correlated directly to being overweight or obese, isn't it? Absolutely. And again, like I said, we put them in you know this environment where they really don't need to go out and hunt or look for food or do anything really besides jump on the perch and watch around and sleep. And and we really need to encourage a lot more activity and exercise. We need to really look at their uh, daily intake of food, making sure that we don't just leave food out all the time for them. There's also some great new uh tips and tricks to be able to make them forage for their food. So there's all these new toys you can get that you fill the the little mouse with food and you hide it somewhere and they have to go find it and they have to bat it around to get the kibble to come out. Are or, you are you talking about cats or are you talking about the way my wife gives me my food? I don't know. Anyway, we will come back. That I do know. And I have, I do have a resolution for Dr. Carlson. And I also want to talk about something we have. That's the proliferation of ferrets and guinea pigs and hamsters and even pet snakes and and pet reptiles of all kinds. They need veterinary care, too. We'll talk about all of that when we come back. I am so excited to say that next week on the show will be Dr. Ian Dunbar. He's written, I don't know, 10, maybe a dozen uh, books about dogs and dog training, and each and every one is a classic. This latest book is called Barking Up the Right Tree, The Science and Practice of Positive Reinforcement, but it's more than just positive reinforcement. He'll explain exactly what he means by that. I know that because I read the book, but we will talk with Dr. Dunbar, who, by the way, called me, I don't know, at this point, maybe six or seven months ago and said, hey, Steve, would you write a cover line? You know, one of those blurbs for books. I've done this once before for him. I've done this for many, many books, but doing this for Dr. Ian Dunbar? I mean, if it wasn't, uh, Dr. Dunbar is the one who said, we need to get puppies at a younger age into puppy class. And this was decades ago. He was very right about that. As we talk about, I'm sure, socialization and the importance of socialization next week on the show, too. Dr. Raina Carlson on Steve Dale's Pet World. She is the president, the president of the American Veterinary Medical Association. Uh, and we are talking about uh, moving into the new year and resolutions for pets. Dr. Carlson, I will get personal with you. Tell me about, uh oh, tell me about your, <laughs> your own pets. Well, I have two cats right now, and I have about 10 chickens, to be honest. So, uh, I'm, I'm traveling a lot right now, so I don't have a dog. But um, my cats are, are, when I get home after traveling a lot, that's really kind of that solace of 
one of the only creatures in the world that are always happy to see me and rub up against my legs and love on me and uh, act like I'm the, the greatest thing in the world. So so that's just one of the best things to come home to. Indeed. And uh, the pet chickens I want to talk about, I mean, that's right up my alley and what I, something I wanted to talk about. They're becoming increasingly common. Uh, perfect for me to talk about, as I've laid an egg many a time. So it's a pet perhaps I should have, but I don't. Or a wide variety of pets that aren't dogs and cats. Uh, after and during the pandemic, it, it, the numbers were going up anyway. During the pandemic, the num- it seemed everyone got a leopard gecko. Everyone got a guinea pig or hamster. In fact, there were so many guinea pigs in New York City that were let loose, sadly, after the pandemic, people got tired of them or whatever. I don't really know. New York City said no more guinea pigs can even be sold at pet stores for a time. Uh, so I am a believer that these animals need to be cared for, too. I suspect you would agree. Absolutely. And one of the things about the the more unique animals is they have very specific husbandry requirements. So nutrition, their housing, uh, like when you get into the reptiles and snakes, they have very specific humidity requirements, temperature requirements, food requirements. And it's really important to talk to a veterinarian with expertise in those species so that you know how to set up that environment for them to thrive. Medically speaking, so many of the problems we see with these species is related to their husbandry, their housing, their nutrition, uh, and their environment. And that's all preventable. So before you think about getting one of these species, really do your homework, talk to a veterinarian, make sure you're setting yourself and that pet up for a thriving situation. Now, are you ready for a resolution from me? Yeah, I want to hear what yours is. Well, the number of veterinarians... So, during the pandemic, I, I kind of alluded to this, the number of pets skyrocketed for a variety of different reasons. Uh, we would need to talk to a, a social worker, a, a sociologist, perhaps, to help explain some of it. But the shelter said, help, because they didn't know if they were able to come in tomorrow to take care of the pets, to feed the animals, etc. And people did help. They, all over the world, not only the United States, and they adopted animal after animal, and we have a record number of pets right now in America. We've never had anywhere near so many. There are far more pets than we have children in this country at this moment. Meanwhile, for a variety of different reasons, the number of veterinary professionals has declined. Uh, People left during the pandemic, this profession, like many others. In addition to that, as it happened, you had retirements that were about set to happen, just people aging out anyway. So all of that combined, there are more pet parents and fewer veterinary professionals. It could be harder to get in to see a veterinarian. So one option has been uh, virtual care or telehealth, or telemedicine. Uh, And during the pandemic, we saw that in the human medical field and to some extent in the veterinary field. Here is something that I'm concerned about. There are now companies out there saying, we're going to provide this service. They don't know your pet. They don't know you. And in some cases, the reality is they're not, not only not licensed where you live, 
the veteran, they are veterinarians that you're speaking to, but they may not be licensed where you live. What's more, they, in some cases, aren't even licensed in this country. So I think and would like to see more veterinary professionals in practices that you go to. You can't go in. You can't get in. Okay. But at least you can do a virtual visit from a professional who knows your pet, who has met your pet, who can pull the record out, maybe not with a paper or sheet of paper anymore, but look it up online and see what the record is for your individual pet. I think that is a great thing and can go into detail as to why. However, I think it's a really bad thing and I want to discourage the public from going to these random places where, yes, it might be, might be a a technician or a veterinarian, but they definitely don't know your animal and they're prescribing things potentially. They're, they're, they're making decisions based on what they think without actually meeting the animal ever. So I'm curious as to what you think about this. Well, I could not agree more with that importance of the connection with your veterinarian. Your veterinarian, when they can put their hands on the animal, they can listen to the animal, they really can get so much more information. When they talk to you, they can actually really connect with you as a pet owner. And it's so important to have that connection and be able to find out what is reasonable for you to actually be able to do at home. It's really nice to just sit on a screen and say, oh, you have to do X, Y, or Z, and that'll fix the problem. But that may not be possible at home. And so it's so important to connect with your veterinarian, talk to your veterinarian. As a veterinarian, we see compliance much better when we can connect with our owners. We have a much better idea of what's going on with that animal. If we can get our hands on the animal, listen, feel, do all the things that's so important for, uh, excuse me, for, for a good diagnosis and for us to be able to deliver that care. Yeah. Now, that being said, there are places where that virtual care can be very valuable. But you've got to have that initial hands-on exam and connection with the animal and with the pet. So thank you for bringing up this important topic. And and it's important to kind of, I think, understand, too, they're, they're prob- that we do have a growing number of veterinarians in the United States. We just have a higher growing number of pets. And so it is, we definitely have a tight uh, workforce market out there, and we're doing everything we can to try to make sure that we're getting the the care that all of our pets deserve. And indeed, as we speak, uh, more veterinary schools are literally opening doors that didn't even exist before. So the problem is being dealt with. But at the same time, let's use this virtual ability, but let's be careful about how we use it and use it correctly so it is beneficial for our pets, not detrimental, which potentially could happen. Dr. Carlson, I think we are about out of time. I wish you and your family a very happy New Year, and I also am concerned and hope that if you have a New Year's Eve party in your house, that the pets don't get into the liquor cabinet. Absolutely. It's been delightful to be with you. Steve, thank you so much for what you do to raise awareness for making sure we all have happy, healthy pets and your connection with veterinarians because it's a team. We've got to work together. We want to make sure that all of our pets out there have a great life. Well, thank you very much. AVMA.org to learn more. 
from the American Veterinary Medical Association, the president, Dr. Raina Carlson. Thank you so much. There I am at the Western Veterinary Conference. This is a highlight of the year 2023. And guess who's there? Rob Gronkowski. And I'm asked to interview Gronk. And he was just very hot off a film with, let's see, he was in that movie, uh, Sally Field, Rita Moreno, Lily Tomlin, and Jane Fonda. Uh, searching for Brady or looking for Brady or something like that. That was the name of the film, and he was in it. So we talked about that, but what would he be doing at a veterinary meeting? With Rob Grankowski at the Western Veterinary Conference, or sometimes called Viticus in Las Vegas. What, sir? Is it me? Are we at a veterinary conference? What are you doing here? Yes, we are, baby. It's because I have a wonderful dog. That's why I am here. It would have never... I would never be here without my dog because I got him two years ago, and it raised so much awareness just how much I love my dog. I never knew how much you could love a pet until, obviously, I got my pet. You know, when I saw my friends and other family members have a pet, and I'm like, wow, you guys really love your dog. I didn't really understand it until I got a dog, and now I'm all in with my dog. I'll do anything for my dog. I'll get him whatever treatment he needs, whatever vaccine he needs, whatever food he needs. I want my dog to live the longest and healthiest life, and that's why I'm here because then eight months later after I got my dog, I I ran into Dylan. I was uh, introduced to Dylan, the CEO of Anavive, uh-huh. who has this booth right here. And that's why we are here, because I have teamed up with Anavive. And uh, let me tell you, they are coming out with some wonderful... Uh, vaccines for dogs, wonderful treatments, wonderful medicines uh, for pets as well. And uh, that's why I am here, because Dylan, right there, who is behind me, who is the man, love the guy, the man has created a preventative vaccine for valley fever. For valley fever, and there's other many other um, treatments that are in line for Anavive as well, but including right one now, for feline infection, yes, peritonitis, the, and other things, and cancer products as well. So, tell me about your dog. Yeah, so I love Ralphie. He's a French bulldog. He's about two years old now. Uh, the guy's a maniac. He loves his zoomies, loves to eat, loves to play, loves to snuggle. Just love him so much. Just love his personality. So a new study just yes. came out saying that people are like their dogs. How is your dog like you, or yes. how are you like your dog? Uh, we are the exact same. The guy, how so? The guy, the guy picks up ladies like it's no no problem. <laughs> the guy's a chick magnet, you know, ultimate chick magnet. Walk down the street, every girl's trying to pat him. I mean, well, that's not the case for me, but uh, I'm just saying, like, well, speaking I was of just which, trying to hype myself up. But, uh, no, speaking of yes. which, I, I just saw a video of Jane Fonda saying that you indeed do have the best tight end she has All ever right, seen. All right, so see, Ralphie and I are very similar. Yes. There we go. And uh, What was that like working yes. on the movie with those four ladies? Yes, it was a lot of fun. The four ladies, uh, Jane Fonda, Sally Fields, they were very professional, very accurate, just on point. Like Sally Field they, is they a were football lit. fan. Yes, I believe. they were lit. It was awesome. They were so much fun. They were so on point. Like they were. What do you mean they, by on point? What like do you mean by on point it? with their skills? Yeah. Like I don't know. They were eighty years old or eighty-five years old. I, I think someone said one of them was ninety. Uh, and, over like, the, Rita Moreno's over ninety. Point. Let me tell you, reading their lines with no problem, act, acting like it's no problem. It was just, well, you it was sound just like so an, iconic to see them. You sound like an, it is, I'm sure. You sound like an acting coach almost. What, what was it uh, for you being in a movie? 
Uh, it was fun. You know, and I mean, so I, this is the start of yes. the other movies down the road? Uh, maybe, possibly. It was it was a tiny role. It wasn't anything crazy. It was five seconds long. The girls, the ladies bust into the locker room. You know, uh, Jane Fonda came and found me at my locker. Uh, the other three ladies found Tom, Danny Amendola, and Julian and just started flirting with us in the locker room. So that was my scene right there. Just a little five seconds worth. My five seconds of fame. I finally made it, baby. And, oh, and, and a movie in the locker room. That's what it's all about. But uh, it was just very cool to be a part of it and be a part of history. Did you watch the Super Bowl? Yes, I did. I didn't watch it all. I watched parts of it. What? You didn't watch? I was the- doing my kick, my uh, my kick of destiny. I did in the third quarter. I did a live Super Bowl commercial. Oh, that's why. Okay. Yes, that okay. is why. So, what did you think of the game? I thought it was a good game, man. That's what it's all about for the fans to see uh, to see it go all the way down the crunch time, uh, to see a winning field goal, to see you know how many 70, 70 plus points scored up on the scoreboard so a lot of action um it was great for for the fans of the nfl so we're going to be seeing you clearly in more movies down the road and maybe as a dog trainer yes as a dog trainer that should be my role i should I find a so. role where i'm a dog trainer in a movie I, that, that would be what's up perfect yes. perfect a pleasure to talk to you sir thank yes. you very much yes, and thank man. you for promoting veterinary medicine oh yes if you want to learn more just go to anavive.com and let's go baby let's do this thing let's get it right all right baby yeah So the name of that film, by the way, was 80 for Brady. Thank you very much, Matt. You know, he was, we took a picture after all this, and he, he, I believe he's like 12 feet high. I mean, this guy is a giant, and I am anything but that. I came up to his ankle, I believe, and the photo is hysterical. Uh, Perhaps I'll post that on my website or repost it at stevedale.tv. I am here to bring you... The latest on animal news. Oh, by the way, one more thing before I get to that. The website, stevedale.tv, you can sign up for my newsletter there. Or on the tabs on top, one says Petcast. And those are the WGN Radio Petcasts that I do with a wide variety of leaders in veterinary medicine. We last spoke with uh, Mary Gardner about elderly and older pets and exactly how questions like... And veterinarians get asked this question every single day, literally. How do you know when the time is right, you know? And and where do we do this? Can we do this at home? Or is it better at the veterinary clinic? Is it better at... She talks about some of the places where she's euthanized pets and what a beautiful experience that had been in all of these places. So on my website, you will read... Stories that you might not see elsewhere about animals. This one's not about dogs or cats. Most of you don't have a pet dolphin, but I thought this was interesting. So if you snorkel or scuba dive, you know about puffer fish. And you know they're not going to bother you, but you don't want to bother them. Because if you do, their spines protrude. And if they they feel threatened enough, they can release a neurotoxin that is potent enough to kill a person. And that's never a good scuba dive or or snorkel adventure, is it? So we stay away from them, or hopefully we do. Uh, Not so with young male dolphins. They actually toss the puffer fish back and forth like a volleyball on purpose. Now, what's interesting to me are a couple of things. First of all, why would they do that? And it turns out, the puffer fish released just enough neurotoxin to get them high. Scientists have figured this out. Now, if they release too much neurotoxin, it's a dangerous game. The dolphin dies. If there's not enough, the dolphins don't get high. 
So they learn how to release by tossing back and forth over an imaginary volleyball net, this puffer fish that's now rolled up into a ball, spines protruding, and they get just enough neurotoxin that apparently it makes them feel good, or shall I say really good. Maybe they get the munchies afterwards, and the, but they never eat the puffer fish. There's no effort to do that. And what's also interesting to me, and I love this part, scientists have said it's young male dolphins who do this, not females, but teenagers. But, well, you know how guys are. Divorce. That's never an easy thing, is it? Especially if kids are involved, and especially if there's lots of property to squabble over. And I'm about to become entertainment tonight here, because actors Tori Spelling, she an actress, really? That's what it says here. And actor Dean McDermott reportedly have been dueling over her insistence that they share their bed with a variety of dogs and literally a pig in a blanket. (laughs) And also, when you get up in the middle of the night to do what you might need to do in the middle of the night, there are chickens in the bathroom. Uh, According to the Daily Mail, so you know it's got to be true, McDermott had an alcohol addiction and other issues that were pertaining to their breakup. But part of the explanation for the breakup is that, well, McDermott reportedly has said, we know dogs have accidents and our particular dogs were having a lot of it. I can't sleep or live that way. Well, according to a survey, he's kind of alone. Many people prefer, prefer, sleeping with a dog compared to their significant other. In fact, over half the people in one survey. One explanation for this preference is that, well, people snore. I don't understand that because so do overweight dogs and cats, particularly any bulldog, pug, French bulldog, other breeds as well. They snore. They're champions at it, but that's what the ladies say. Also, Unlike 65-year-old guys, most dogs don't get up in the middle of the night for a routine bathroom break, uh, and that is appreciated. Uh, I guess dogs don't have a beer before they go to bed. And women who live alone say they feel safer with a dog at their side compared to their significant other. We'll see you next week bright and early here on WGN.